listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm going to give you guys uh, three habits today from the Word of God that are proven according to Scripture to attract the favor of God into your life. And um, it's, it's going to help you because there's been so much teaching and preaching that the favor of God is somehow this, um, you know, nebulous, I don't know, it's like something, it's ethereal, you know, it's in the atmosphere, you don't really know when it's coming, you don't know how it's coming, you don't know what makes it happen. You hear some preachers preach about God's favor, you would think it's this just weird um, seasonal thing that, you know, you got to wait for some preacher to tell you you're getting ready to jump into a season of favor. And, you know, I, I just, it's been so confusing to listen to preachers preach on the subject of God's favor. And, um, and that's, it's important to understand. Hey, Ted Nashley, it's important to understand, uh, that God's favor, number one is not seasonal. And by the way, if you're taking notes, we're we're just jumping in. I want you to write it in your notes and in your Bible, but I also want you to put it in the comments. Those of you that are watching God's favor is not seasonal. God's favor is not seasonal. That's the first thing I want you to write and understand today as we're getting into the broadcast. And it's taught that way. You know, I'm, I know you've heard it taught that way. People will get up and start preaching. My God, you're getting ready to step into a season of favor. It's getting ready to be a season of overflow. Well, understand something with me today. God's favor is not seasonal. It's not seasonal. There are not seasons where he favors you and seasons where he removes his favor or uh, lifts his favor off of your life. It's not the scripture. It's not the case. You understand. Well, God, my God, we're getting ready to run into a season of favor. No, we're in a season of favor. That's what the New Testament church age is. It's a season of favor. It's a season of God's favor on the earth before we step into the season of God's judgment that takes place after the rapture, we believe, which is the tribulation of the uh, of the world after the church is removed. And so we are in a season of favor. It's not seasonal. It's something that we have been given through our covenant with God. And uh, so you might ask the question, well, if it's not seasonal or if it's not God sovereignly picking and choosing who he will favor, then how can you explain the fact that not every believer is living apparently in that favor you're talking about. How can you explain that? If it's if it's not seasonal, if it's not something we're just going to wait on till it comes, if it's not something God sovereignly picks and chooses, how can you explain why there are some believers who are walking in that favor and then there are other believers that seem like they go from crisis to crisis, problem to problem, issue to issue, and they never it seems like they never catch a break. How can you explain that if it's if it's not God's uh, will or him doing it? And that's what we're seeking to answer in this broadcast today. How can you attract the favor of God that is always available to your life? And favor 
uh, touches every area of your life. It doesn't just touch your finances. It touches your body. It touches your mind. It touches your relationships, opens doors for you. So how do you access that? Because that's what I'd want to know is as a believer, how do I access that? The mighty favor of God. I don't, I don't want to go through life missing out on God's favors. I mean, if, if he has already purchased and provided them and created them and set them aside for me and for you, then how do we get in on that? How do we take hold of the things that God has already prepared and made available for us? And you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has uh, it entered the heart of the imagination of any man, the things that God has prepared, and one translation says, and set aside for those that love him. And so it's something so amazing that no human could offer you, that no corporation could offer you, no government could offer you. It's something God prepared for you. So if he did set it aside for those that love him, how do you obtain it? How do you access it? And that's what we're going to answer today. And I'm going to give you three habits of your uh, that you can incorporate in your own personal life that will ensure you stay in the favor of God, which is not seasonal. And if you're just logging on, it's what we're talking about. Put it in the com- comment section. God's favor is not seasonal. And that's one of the biggest lies that people believe that keeps them. See, because here's why. If you think that God's favor is seasonal, then instead of pursuing it, you'll just wait on your season. Did you ever think about it that way? That's the reason it's dangerous to believe that way. Because if you believe you're just in a season of favor, what do you do when the season ends? And who controls the length of the season? And what happens when the season's over? Do you Are you able to go and it, when's your next season coming? See, that's the questions people have. God's favor is not seasonal. His goodness is not seasonal. But there are things that we can do as believers to access the goodness and the mercies and the favor of God. I love this. Listen to Psalm 1. The Bible says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, Psalm 1.1, nor stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in every season and its leaf will not wither and all that he does, he'll prosper. You see that? And so your leaves will never wither. In all that you do, you'll prosper, bearing fruit in every season. You've got the ability to bear fruit in every season, in every season. And so every season, in fact, I want you to write it this way. All my seasons are fruitful. All my seasons are fruitful. No question about it. I don't have unfruitful seasons because I'm connected to the vine. Jesus is the true vine. Remember that. And I'll take you there. It's found in the gospel of John chapter 15. The gospel of John and chapter 15. Very important scripture because this is truly uh, speaking of people who are connected to Christ in covenant. That's you and that's me. And so put it in the comments, all my seasons are fruitful. That's right. All my seasons are fruitful. I don't have unfruitful seasons. 
I don't go through unfruitful seasons. That's not my story. Hey, Robin, God bless you. All my seasons are fruitful. That's right. Listen to Jesus' own words regarding those who are connected with him. John chapter 15, I'll start in verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, you see that, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Go further. I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. So notice this is talking about people that uh, either reject Christ or leave the connection they have with Christ. I love what Pastor Enoch Adeboye said. He said, if there's no such thing as losing your salvation and if you can't be disconnected, who are all these people in John 15 that Jesus is talking about that refuse to abide in him and are cut off from the vine and thrown into a pile to be burned? Notice this. The Bible says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So you see, Jesus is saying that if you abide in him and his words abide in you, then you'll produce much fruit because he's the vine and you're the branches. If I'm connected to the vine, that same sustenance, that same virtue flows out of the vine and into me. It's just like uh, if you were to go out to a tree and just cut one of the branches off and throw it on the ground. Well, for a season, it's going to look like it's still alive. When you cut a branch off from a tree, it doesn't immediately, the leaves immediately turn brown and crunchy, you know, and the, and the, the wood stops being green and, and uh, pliable uh, in, in, on the inside and becomes very brittle. It doesn't happen immediately. Happens over a period of time, you see? And so understand, people can fake it for a while, but if you don't abide in the vine, then your leaves will begin to wither. You notice what's, what the Bible's saying, compare John 15 to Psalm 1. He said, those that delight in his ways and his commands, that's abiding in him. He said, those people, their leaves will never wither. But notice here, it says that when you don't abide in him, you're cut off and your leaves will begin to wither and you're thrown into a pile to be burned. So one of the keys we understand here is abiding in Christ. So how do we abide in Christ? That's the, that's the question. Because we see believers that aren't operating in the favor of God. So how do we attract that favor and have fruitful season in every season? That's what I want. I want every season of my life to be a fruitful season. Every season. I never want to miss out on a fruitful season when I could be having one. And so I know that's your, your desire as well. So I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you three things from the word of God that will help you to always access God's favor. Because number number one, <clears throat> he does not show favoritism. It just, I mean, without cause. He does have favor, but it's not without cause. What I mean by that is God is not just picking and choosing who he will favor 
and then picking and choosing who he won't. It's not that kind of an election where you see like, well, I'm going to favor these people, but those people over there, I'm going to reject them. They'll never see my favor. God doesn't do that. That's not how it works. He gives you access to choices and the choices that you make according to his word will either lead you into his favor or keep you from his favor. But notice, if you're not in the favor of God, it is not because he doesn't want you there. It's because he's prepared a place for you, but your choices have not taken you there. That's a very important lesson to learn. It would just be like saying, um, it would just be like saying, you know, if you were headed to a, a party that was being thrown for you, you know, a birthday party, you'd never been to this a restaurant before, um, uh, and you went and you made wrong choices in your drive to that restaurant. Maybe you just missed turns or whatever, and you ended up in some other place. That would be like then saying, well, I guess the pl- their plan was not to have me at the party. I guess they provided that party for me and threw that party for me, but I guess it's just th- not their plan to have me at the party because I didn't end up there. No, you didn't end up there because you made wrong choices on your way to the party. It's not that they don't want you at the party. It was your party. They threw it for you. It's actually uh, the dinners for you. The gifts are for you. Everything there is for you. And if you don't end up there, you can't say, well, I guess it just wasn't their desire to have me at the party. No, you made turns and choices on your way to the party that didn't get you there. And so it's all there waiting for you, but you're not enjoying it. Why? Not because it's not there, not because they don't want you there, not because it wasn't provided for you, but because the choices you made on the way didn't lead you to where the party was. The same thing is true in the body of Christ. Same thing is true in the body of Christ. It's already provided. It's already prepared. He wants you there. Now he's given you the ability to take actions that will get you to where the provision and favor is that he's provided for your life and ministry. And so you can do that. Yeah, Ken, you you can do it. I think you have to set it up in your Good World account. If you have an issue, just email info at miracleword.com and Jenna will help you out. So understand this, we have choices we make that will take us to where the favor already is prepared. It's already done. We're living in the season of favor. So here's how you access it. Three things that I want you to get, three things that I want you to make a regular part of your life on a daily basis. Uh, I want to start by looking at 2 Peter. Go with me to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. This is such an important one, by the way. And if you're just logging on, it's important that you take a minute to share this. In fact, would you do two things for me today if you do anything? Number one, share the broadcast. But number two, if you've not been able to do this yet or not gone to do it, would you do me a favor and go over to YouTube and subscribe to our channel? It really, really helps me if you would. Um, You just search my name on YouTube, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. You'll see the channel. A bunch of you are watching the broadcast on the channel right now. But for those of you on Periscope, those of you on Facebook, and those listening on the podcast, if you do me a big favor and subscribe to the channel, I'd really, really appreciate it. 2 Peter chapter 1. This is habit number one. And those of you can put it, you can put it in the comments section as we teach these. Uh, Habit number one. Listen to 2 Peter 1 and verse 2. It says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God 
and of Jesus our Lord. So that's number one. The first habit that draws the favor. That word grace there is the same word translated favor. Spiritual things, the favor of God, grace, charis, where we get the word charisma. The the charisma, you've heard of the charismatic movement, the charismatic church, the charismatic gifts, the gifts of the spirit, the favor of God. So understand, he's saying may favor and peace be multiplied to you so you can multiply it. Grace is not unmerited favor, it's merited favor. You've probably heard that before. Grace is unmerited favor. That's not true. It's merited favor. The only grace that was unmerited favor was the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ as he was sent to the earth by God for no other reason other than God chose to show favor to the world. That's the only unmerited favor that there is, the sending of Jesus Christ. There is no other unmerited favor. Everything else after Jesus was merited favor. God looks at your actions and favors you based on your actions. Grace is not unmerited favor. It's merited. It's based on your merits, not saving faith, not saving grace, not what Jesus did as he was sent to the earth. That's the only grace that is unmerited because there's nothing we could have done to force God to send Jesus. He just did it because he loves the world. So I want you to distinguish between these now because the ones that I'm giving you today, I'll prove to you from scripture, is that grace and favor can actually be added to your life by your choices. So if your choices actually give you more favor and more grace, then it's merited. If your choices have nothing to do with your favor and grace, but it comes to you anyway, that's unmerited. And the only example we can see in the Bible, the only example of unmerited favor or unmerited grace is when God sent Jesus to the earth to be the uh, sacrifice for our sins. Nothing we could have done could cause that to happen. It was sovereign by the love of God. But after Jesus, please catch this, after Jesus, all other grace and favor is merited. It's merited. It's based on your actions, your choices, and the habits that we're learning today. So number one, <clears throat> Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2, listen. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord. So understand, understand this. Look at the King James Version Billion put up there. Uh, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. So notice how uh, Peter is saying that grace and peace would be multiplied to the believers through the knowledge of God and the knowledge of Jesus, our Lord. So the first habit is knowledge of God's word. Knowledge of God's word. That's the first habit. Notice Peter says it, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. What's the knowledge of God? Everything we can know about God is found in his word. Everything everything. He gave us the written word to describe his nature, his ability, his desire, his covenant, his ways, his thoughts. Everything that we can know about God is known from his written word. You can't find anything else about God outside of the word. Nothing. 
There's no other books. There's no other teaching. There's no other proof or evidence. Everything that we can know about God and should know about God is found in the written word of God. And so grace and peace are multiplied to you through your knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. Well, who is Jesus Christ? What does the Bible say Jesus Christ is in John chapter one? It says he is the word made flesh. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. No, it's talking about Jesus there. You go down to verse 14 and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So understand, as Peter says, through the knowledge of God and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the word of God, and then all knowledge of God comes from the word. The Holy Spirit is never going to give you knowledge <clears throat> outside of his written word. You're never going to have knowledge about God that's outside of the written word. This is all of the revelation of God that there is, all of it. The Holy Spirit would never tell you anything that would contradict the written word of God, and he's never gonna go beyond. Because that would mean, remember this, that would mean if you think that God would give you extra knowledge of himself outside of the written word, that would mean that there's knowledge about him that he only wants certain people to have. And that's not the case. It's not the case at all. It's like I heard this guy the other day, and I won't, maybe I will mention who he is because it's a crazy thing to say. This is a guy, I won't say who he is, but I'll tell you about him. Here's a guy that did his own translation of the Bible that's out right now, who said that he was in heaven recently. And as he was in heaven, he was examining the libraries of heaven. And as he was in the libraries of heaven, he saw a book <laughs> and he said, Lord, what is that book? <clears throat> and, and apparently Jesus said to him, that is John chapter 22. And I'm going to give it to you in the future. But right now, the world is not ready for it. Can you imagine that? Now, let me just say, when somebody says something like that, that is one of the most heretical and evil things that can be said publicly. That there are parts of God's written word that you're going to get that nobody else has that we can then add into the Bible. Read, read the Bible itself. Anybody that adds to or takes away from God's word, there's a curse that comes upon them. A curse. Anyone that adds to or takes away from the word of God, a curse. To say that publicly is one of the most ridiculous and stupid things that you could say. And so you can't take away from this written word and you can't add to this written word. It's given to us. It's complete. This is complete. Yes, Ruth, it is. <laughs> it is exactly what I'm talking about. It's a trash translation of the Bible. Complete trash. I would never touch it, never use it. It's not a translation. It's somebody's thoughts. I, I, I can't get into it. It's just, it's total trash. It's a waste of time. There are so many fine Bible translations given to us by the word of God. Anyway, let me move on from that. I'm moving on from that. I'll do other broadcasts about that. Um, 
So <laughs> he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you through what? Your knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. That's the word of God. So as you gain a knowledge, now see, why is that the case? Explain how this works. Well, I'll tell you how it works. What did Jesus say in the gospel of John chapter eight and verse 32? One of my favorite verses of scripture. I know I say that about a lot of verses of scripture, but I do love the scripture. Uh, John eight thirty-two, and you will know the truth and the truth will do what? Set you free. <clears throat> so when people are set free, when people are set free from issues that are plaguing their life, that's favor. When others are are suffering, listen, when you're when there's others that are suffering with sickness and disease and they're suffering with poverty and lack, people are suffering with broken relationships, no peace in their mind, chronic depression, anxiety attacks, all these different things. But when then they are lifted from you, think about that. When they are lifted from you, that's favor of God that's being evident on your evidently seen upon your life. When you go from sickness and disease to divine healing, when you go from depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts to perfect peace and joy, when you go from broken relationships to healed relationships, when you go from poverty and lack to abundance and prosperity, that is evidence of the, of, of the favor of God upon someone's life. How do we get there? Notice, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you or make you free. The truth of this word makes people free. It makes people free. Notice, <clears throat> I was listening to um, <clears throat> Dr. T.L. Osborne. And I was reading one of his books, actually, as he was talking about ministry. If you don't know who he is, Dr. T.L. Osborne was one of the greatest evangelists in the history of the Christian church. He did mass crusades in over 70 nations of the world. I think it was 76 or 77 nations. When I say mass crusades, I mean 200, 500, 800,000 people on a field, sometimes over a million, listening to the gospel be preached. And as he's preaching it, you'd see healing take place. People would start just passing their wheelchairs over the crowd, crutches, uh, braces, all these different things. Blind people healed, paralyzed people healed, all kinds of things. As he's preaching, and he understood, he called it the message that works. He actually has a book called The Message That Works. And he talked about how he's preached that message that works in over 70 nations of the world and had mass crusades, millions saved, seeing all those miracles. And one of the things he said is that when the gospel of Christ comes to people's lives, when they are changed by the power of the gospel, he said one of the first things that takes place is that God restores their dignity to them. And I never understood that until I saw what it looks like when people have been stripped of their dignity through sin and death and poverty and sickness and disease. When you go and see people that have been completely plagued with a life of sin and what sin does to someone's life steals your dignity from you. And I didn't understand that when I read him uh, in his book when I first read it, but then having traveled and seeing people entrenched in sin, entrenched in, in what sin brings into someone's life, 
complete destruction in every area of your life, I began to realize that sin destroys your dignity and it turns you into a beggar of every kind. But one of the first things that happens when uh, healing of the gospel comes to your life, heals your spirit, heals your soul, heals your body. First thing that happens, what? It restores your dignity. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in our meetings that people came in completely uh, overtaken by sin, overtaken by that life, come in and they look. I've given you testimonies about drug addicts that have come in and been delivered instantly from that addiction and come back the next night looking like a completely different person. They're groomed differently. They're dressed differently. Their face looks different. What happened? They were pulled out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear son. And what happens? Their dignity is restored to them. They don't look like an addict. They don't look like a junkie anymore. They come in looking like a new creature in Christ Jesus. Dignity restored by the power of God. And the truth is what sets you free. You see what happens to somebody when the truth of God's word comes into their life. It changes everything. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The word of God. See, it's the word of God that carries power. But if you don't know it, see, that's, that's really, that's really the key. It's one of the reasons, by the way, as I was praying, I, I launched under the direction of the Holy Spirit, Miracle Word University, because one of the things I was complaining to the Lord truthfully about was the fact that I said, Lord, People don't even know what they believe. They don't even know what they believe about your word. They don't know what they believe. Uh, they just say, well, my church believes this, or my parents believe this, or, you know, we've always believed this. That's not a reason to believe something. That's not a reason to believe something. Because someone else did, or it's what how you were raised, or it's something that your church does. Or that's That's not the reason to believe something. And I want you to see this. Hosea... Chapter four and verse six, the Bible says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest unto me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Think about that. That's Hosea chapter four and verse number six, Hosea chapter four and verse number six. Listen. He's speaking to Israel here. My people are destroyed. How are they destroyed? Not because the devil's attacking. For lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest unto me. And since you have forgotten the law of God, that's the word. It's all the word they had at the time. You've forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. So notice, this destruction carries on generation to generation because of a lack of the knowledge of God's word. I dealt with this, what, last week on generational curses? How generational curses, really, if you study them, it's not scriptural for the believer. For the believer, what's happened is learned behaviors that continue bringing upon a family unhealthy situations, In every area, relationships, physical body, in your mind, the way you treat your wife or husband, 
And if you don't correct that, as Paul said, by putting the flesh under and submitting yourself to the word of God, those things continue. They're not generational curses. They're results. They're harvests of actions that are seeds. And here in the Old Testament, the Bible says that people are destroyed because they have a lack of knowledge. Look at the New Testament flip-flop side of that, John 8, 32. But when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. And so people have thrown the word of God in, <clears throat> into the backseat of their car or in the or in the, up in the windshield every Sunday after church, and it never moves until the next week when it's time to go to church. They never pull it out. They never study it. They never read it to their own detriment. They are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The truth is what sets you free. And notice what Peter said, that you can actually multiply the grace and favor and peace of God upon your life through the knowledge of God's word. Hallelujah. <clears throat> through the knowledge of God's word. And that should be your desire to see through the knowledge of this word, extreme exponential blessing and favor. By what? The knowledge. <clears throat> this is the most important fuel you could ever pump into your system most important thing that you could ever pump into your spirit, man. I heard, uh, and I've quoted this many times on the broadcast, it's worth repeating. F.F. Bosworth, a, a great man of God from the previous century who wrote the book, uh, <clears throat> Christ the Healer. He said, many Christians feed their bodies three hot meals a day and their spirit one cold snack a week and wonder why they're so weak in faith. And he's referring to people eating physically, and then, of course, once a week getting a small sermon preached into their spirit, one cold snack a week, and three hot meals a day for your body, and then they wonder why their body is strong and their spirits are weak and their faith is weak. Well, the reason is because the fuel you need to be spiritually strong and to walk in favor and to walk in the blessing of God, that fuel is the mighty word of God. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. So habit number one is I've got to increase my knowledge of the mighty word of God. I've got to increase my knowledge of the mighty word of God. That's number one. I've got to do it. So if you're putting it in the comments, habit number one, increase my knowledge of the mighty word of God. I've got to. I've got to. Which means I've got to be reading it and studying it on a daily basis. I can't be one of these people. I can't be one of these people that reads their Bible, you know, once a month, twice a year. I can't be one of these people that read, just picks up their Bible on Sunday once a week. I've got to be one that is ingesting spiritual food every single day. As somebody wrote in the comments last week, sometimes more than once a day. I've got to ingest this. I've got to eat. What did Jeremiah say in Jeremiah 15 and verse 16? He said, I, Lord, I found your words and I ate them and they became unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart or my soul. When you ingest the word, it becomes what you need it to be. Habit number one, I've got to increase my knowledge of the mighty word of God. I have to. I have to. There's no favor. There's no grace outside of God's word. There's none. That would be something to write in your notes today. There is no favor outside the word of God. There is no favor 
outside the word of God. I've got to increase my knowledge of the mighty word of God. If you don't have a plan to get deeper in study, make a plan. There's so many free plans available. Um, I, Denise, I recommend for new believers, and, and if you want it, we actually have a Bible reading plan for uh, b- new believers that we send out, the Miracle Word Bible reading plan. I always recommend that believers start, new believers, in the Gospel of John. Always, I recommend that. Start in the Gospel of John. And then begin to read the letters to the churches. Read Paul's letters. Read Peter's letters. You know, read what was commanded to the believers in the early church. It'll help you. It'll help you on a daily basis. And then put into practice everything you read. In fact, number two. Number two, the second thing that I want you to see, habit number two, is this. Practice perfect obedience. That's it right there. Habit number two. Write it in the comments. Practice perfect obedience. If you contact us, Karen, we'll send you a copy of it. Jenna at MiracleWord.com. Everybody that wants a copy of that, Jenna at MiracleWord.com. Check this out. Habit number two, practice perfect obedience. Obedience is always the prerequisite for increase. Always. In every area of life. Doesn't matter if you're believing physical healing, touch of your touch to your mind, joy, peace, whatever it might be, financial increase, doesn't matter. Practice perfect obedience. That's habit number two. Because perfect obedience is actually one of the main elements that you will find in scripture that causes a swift, remember this causes a swift increase in your life. Swift, perfect obedience, not delayed obedience, not partial obedience, perfect obedience. Let me read to you the gospel of John chapter 14 and verse 21, one of our favorite verses on the broadcast. Listen to Jesus words, John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them or obeys them. He it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. You see that? And then I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now, I want to just look at something here because this is a very important point. And so I want to, I want to show you something. The word manifest, some of the... Um, Some of the uh, versions of scripture don't use the word manifest. They use the word reveal. And I will reveal myself to him. To who? The one who obeys my words readily, has my commandments and keeps them or obeys them. Jenna at miracleword.com. If you'd like the Bible reading uh, plan, we'll send you a copy of it. That's her email, J-E-N-N-A at MiracleWord.com. So let me show you something here. John 14, I want to actually go to the original Greek language here. And we're going to look at this together. Very important. 21st verse. 
Let's look at what word it is. Oh, I like that. Wow. So the actual Greek word here for that word reveal or manifest is the Greek word um, emphasiso. Emphasiso. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a root word for even in the English where we get the word emphasize, emphasiso in the Greek. So think about that. That's that's pretty amazing if you look at it that way. And let's let me, let me actually just quickly I'm going to click on it. Emphasiso. This uh, that's that's powerful. To disclose myself. Yeah. That's right, Billion. That's that's how you that's how you spell it. Emphasiso. So, to emphasize or think about this, the New American Standard I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. King James, I will manifest myself. Interlinear, I will show myself to him. Emphasiso. So when you think about the fact, if we were to just say, God will emphasize himself. Christ is saying that. I will emphasize myself to you. So think about the connotation of that. If you were writing a Word document in Microsoft Word, And there was an area of the document that you wanted to emphasize to the person that's reading it. What are some of the things that you would do? You would maybe make the text bold. You might make the text bold and italic. You understand? You might make the text all capital letters. You might underline the text. You might do all four. All caps. You know, if I'll give you an example. If there was a document that you were writing as a, a you know a, a user guide to something maybe at a, maybe new new workers at a power plant and you want them to know before you throw the main switch or whatever make sure that you are standing on the rubber mat make sure you have rubber shoes make sure you're grounded make sure you have rubber gloves on make sure there's nothing wet around you and um you know and then throw the main switch and then you might want to emphasize that that phrase do not throw the switch if the rubber mat is not placed underneath you. So because it's a life or death thing that if they don't do it, they'll die. What you might do in the manual is increase the text size, the font size. You might put all in capital letters. You might put it all in bold, all italics, all underlined. And then as somebody said, you might want to highlight it or even change the color of the text. Some people might change it to red. So it's not missed all caps, bold, italics, underlined, so that when someone's just, if they were just scanning or skimming a document, they would stop. Their eyes would stop on it. Why did they stop? Because you took actions to emphasize that phrase. When something is emphasized, it stands out to you. It comes to you. It it allows you to see it easily and clearly. If something's emphasized, it lets you see it easily and clearly. And I find that interesting that when we look into the Greek, he says, not only will I love him, I will emphasize myself to him. I will emphasize myself to the one who obeys me. 
So what that means is Christ will not let you miss out on his manifestations, his revelations of himself. He will actually emphasize his nature and characteristics in your life so that you don't miss them. Think about that. Who is he? What will he emphasize? He's a healer. He's a provider. He's a comforter. You know, he's a God. What, what will he emphasize? These traits, these nature, this, this nature that he has. And he said, when you obey me and you obey my word, I will emphasize myself to you. You'll not miss it. You'll clearly see it in your life. Isn't that powerful? I will manifest myself to him. I'll reveal myself. One translation, I will disclose myself to him. And what's the key? What is the prerequisite for this specific blessing? Notice what he said. Whoever has my commandments and obeys them or keeps them. Obeys them and keeps them. Delame, send us your send us an email and we'll send you one. So get, get this. Jesus has a desire. Now, what would that be called? What would that look like to others? If Jesus showed up to you and then began to manifest himself to you over and over and over, people would look at you and say, man, he's got favor on his life. That guy's just, everything's always working out in his favor. He, I mean, everything everything good happens to him. What would they say? Man, that girl's got, I mean, favor. It's like every time I turn around, something, something else good is happening for them. What is that? The favor of God. So when Jesus manifests his nature, his characteristics in your life and emphasizes them, you will see the favor of God and others will be able to see it. Others will be able to see it. Look at one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament. I say that a lot. Maybe I shouldn't say it. It's all my favorite. Psalm 126. Listen to what the promise is here. Psalm 126 verses one through three. Listen to this. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations. Now, it says here they said among the nations, but some translations like the King James say it was said among the heathen. Well, why did it, why did it translate that way? It was said among the heathen because all other nations didn't believe in the God of Israel. They had their own gods, so they were called heathens. But it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Notice that. Notice that. The Lord has done great things for us, and then they confirm it. The Lord has done great things for us, and we're glad about it. The nations, it was said among the heathen nations that didn't believe in Jehovah, that didn't believe in Yahweh didn't believe in El Shaddai. And they, they, when they saw what the true and living God was doing for his children, the heathen spoke up and said, the Lord has done great things for them. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm referring to. In the New Testament context, as we obey the word of God, Jesus said, then my father will love them and I will love them. And I will emphasize, I will emphasize, I will show, reveal, I will manifest myself to them. What's going to happen when Christ truly manifests himself in your life? People who aren't even Christians are going to look at you and say, my Lord, God's blessing that guy. You know, people, 
It's not like people don't know about God. Isn't it interesting to you? It's interesting to me that when people want to take the Lord's name in vain or some, they want to, you know, semi swear, you know, they don't, you know, people don't get all ticked off at, at somebody else and say, Oh, Muhammad. You know, people don't say that when they're mad. People say, Oh, Allah. <laughs> they don't say that. If they're all, uh, uh, annoyed at somebody they say, Oh, Muhammad, the prophet. They don't say that. They didn't say, oh, Krishna. No, they say Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. You know why? Because that is the thing that actually has power, the name of Jesus. It's the name above every name. And so when people are angry, their flesh nature blasphemes the name that's above every name. The reason nobody says, oh, Muhammad, the prophet, oh, Allah, is because those names don't carry any power. They don't carry any power because those are not gods. They're not alive. They're dead. Oh, Krishna. (laughs) They don't do that. They don't do that. (laughs) Oh, Shiva. (laughs) Nobody's cursing Hindu gods, taking Hindu Hindu gods' names in vain. Nobody's that. Oh, Buddha. (laughs) <laughs> Nobody does that. It's Jesus Christ. You know why it's Jesus Christ? That's the name above all names. That's the name that carries power. So a flesh nature, a carnal nature, a sinful nature wants to blaspheme that name, that name. They don't just do it in America. They do it all around the world. They do it all around the world. <clears throat> why? It's the name of all names. So it's not like sinners don't know who God is. In fact, Paul said, that there's no reason that any other person in the world could ever deny the fact there's a God. Romans chapter one says there's enough proof in creation itself that no one could deny there's a God. Nobody. Nobody's off the hook. Nobody's off the hook. You understand? (laughs) Nicholas said, I'm tempted now to use Buddha as a swear word. (laughs) Yeah, I can't even pronounce that, Nick, but it's true. So you understand, it's the name of all names. His word carries power as you obey his word. Habit number two, perfect obedience, perfect obedience. As you operate in perfect, yeah, oh, Vishnu, it doesn't work. So you understand, as you operate in perfect obedience, perfect obedience, what takes place? Super increase. I want you to see this. Go, Go to the last part of the Gospel of John. I want you to see how quickly obedience brings the increase. Listen to this. The Bible says, John chapter 21, starting with verse 3. John 21 and verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? 
And they said, no. Verse six, and he said to them, well, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in on the boat dragging the net full of fish. Look at this. For they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards away. When they got to the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it, bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of 153 large fish. Now, let me just break this down. Here's a group of men that had fished many times. Of course, Peter had a fishing business, made his living from fishing. They weren't using poles, they weren't using lines, and they weren't using bait. They were using nets and dragging them all night long. Here's a man who knows where the fish are, who has fished for his entire life, makes his living that way, and if anybody knew how and where to catch fish, Peter did. And they fished all night long, and not one fish was caught. As they're coming back to shore, Jesus just gives them one instruction. What's he getting ready to do? He's getting ready to emphasize, catch this, he's getting ready to emphasize himself to his disciples, emphasize his nature as a provider. What does he do? What does he do? One instruction. Just cast your nets to the other side of the boat. What do you think? All of the fish in the sea were just you know, hugging up to the right side of the boat, just swim right here all night. They won't find us. Just keep swimming by the right side of the ship. No, no. When Jesus spoke, creation happened again. He's a creator. Notice that, creator. He creates with his word. They got to the shore. Jesus had fish in the frying pan. Where'd that come from? He wasn't fishing. Where'd his fish come from? I believe it came out of his mouth. The same mouth that created the fish next to the boat. And 153 large fish jumped into the net because of their one act of obedience to the master. His word, those that have my commands, what did he do? He just commanded them to cast their net on the other side. They obeyed his command. What just happened? He manifested himself to them. I'm your provider. Here's your provision. I'm your provider. Here's your provision. When you obey, perfect obedience brings increase and favor and blessing. Yeah, 153 large fish. If you've ever seen a large fish, I've been to Hawaii and see them bring in large fish. I'm here in South Florida where they bring in large fish and you bring it in and literally one fish could feed a group of people. Massive, massive. So, I love it because if you if you stu- if you study other passages of scripture, when Jesus caused there to be supernatural catches of fish, they were amazed that their nets didn't tear. That's how big that Jesus was giving them. What kind of catches that he was giving them? Because he's a provider. He's manifesting his nature to them. You see that. So number one is knowledge of the word. Number two, perfect obedience to the commands of Christ. This word gives you commands. Notice this, this word gives you commands, but go further than that. The Holy Spirit will speak to you personally. 
Notice this. The Holy Spirit will speak to you personally. You know, the Word of God is our standard for living, but every person has an individual plan from the Lord. God has a plan for your life. And the way to walk in favor in the midst of that plan is to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and be led by the Spirit of God. Don't just do things to do them. Do them because the Lord led you to do them. Don't just, young people that are watching me, don't just marry anybody. Pray about who God would have you to marry. Don't just take any job. Don't just go to any college. Don't just attend any church. Know where you're supposed to live. Know what you're supposed to do. Know how you're supposed to do it by prayer and fasting. And listen to Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So all of us are supposed to be led by God's Spirit. So much would be would happen and be helpful for us. We would we would miss out on so much hurt if we would just be led by the Spirit. Amen. And by by obeying the written word and obeying what the Holy Spirit tells you personally to do, you will get in on the manifestations of Christ and His emphasizo, His emphasis of His nature, His capabilities in your life. I'm telling you, it's supernatural. Love you, Brother Mark. Supernatural. So number three, let me give you this before we pray today. Number three, you're not going to want to miss this video. I'm going to play for you at the end. It's it's cracked me up. I watched it already today. James chapter four. James chapter four. Number three, the third habit every believer needs to put into place that will cause you to walk in supernatural favor. Scripture teaches it. Scripture teaches it. I'm going to show it to you. So you have, you have number one, knowledge of God's word. Number two, you have obedience to God's word. But number three ties it all together because understand these two things don't mean anything if the third one's not in place. And that's what we're going to give you right now. Habit number three, that Bring the favor of God into your life. Listen to James chapter four and verse number six. <clears throat> the Bible says, but he, speaking of God, but he gives more grace. That's favor. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. You see that? Gives more grace to the humble. So isn't that interesting? Just that word more <laughs> lets you understand that favor or grace is not unmerited favor, it's merited favor. Because if it was unmerited, then that scripture would be meaningless. He gives more grace to the humble, yet he opposes the proud. So that's showing you because of one thing that is true in this person's life, I'm going to deliver to them more grace but because this person doesn't have that thing, I'm going to hold back grace or favor from their life and actually oppose their life. What's the element? Humility. Humility. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So what's the key here? He said he gives more grace to the humble. You cannot, and tr trust me when I tell you this, you cannot truly obey the word of God. doesn't matter if you have knowledge of the word. Let me tell you who else has knowledge of the word. 
atheists have knowledge of the word for the purpose of just debating Christians. There's atheist apologists that have knowledge of the word. You know who else has knowledge of the word? There's LGBTQ apologists who will debate till the uh, you know end of the day on Christianity and homosexuality. That homosexuality does not is not a sin. It's not wrong. The Bible doesn't teach against it. They go and study the word to debate those facts. They have knowledge of the word. So it's not just about having knowledge of the word. And then obviously an atheist is not going to obey the word. Neither will uh, somebody that's an LGBTQ advocate. Neither is going to be somebody that's uh, studying it just for the purpose of debating it. They have knowledge, but they're not obeying it. Why aren't they obeying it? Why aren't they obeying it? Because the source of sin is pride. Pride is the source of all sin. I want you to understand that. Because pride is saying, my way is better than God's way. Because as we taught yet last week, your actions truly are the, are the, they are the picture of what you believe. Your actions are always the picture of what you truly believe. And so when you sin is basically just you disobeying the word of God, but it's, it's you saying my ways are better than God's ways. So I'm going to do it my way, not God's way. That's pride. My ways are better than God's ways. When God plainly said in Isaiah 55, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55 verses eight and nine. So understand something. It's very, very important to know that without humility, nobody will obey the word of God. Humility is saying, I don't know anything. God knows everything. Humility is saying, I don't have the answers to life. God has them. Humility is saying, I don't know what I should do. God knows what I should do. And then humility is saying, I will obey his instructions rather than my own desires because his instructions bring me into victory. My own desires brings me into, bring me into destruction. And so pride is the source of all sin. All sin is selfishness. So understand this, as we operate in the power of God, what are we doing? We're walking in a supernatural humility that will cause favor and grace to be added to our lives continually. It'll just never stop. It'll be added, 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 added. God continues. The more humble you can get, the more meek you can get, the more you will see increase in your life. I promise you, the more humble you can get, the more meek you'll become, the more increase you'll see in your life. Let me show you this. The book of Numbers, chapter 12, and verse 3. Now the man Moses was very meek, <clears throat> more than all people who were on the face of the earth. Mark that scripture in your Bible, by the way. The book of Numbers, chapter 12, verse number 3. I'll read it again. The Bible says, and the man Moses was very meek. 
very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. So there was, catch this, there was nobody in the world who was more humble than Moses. Nobody. The Bible tells us. He was the meekest man in all of the world. Look at the effects of his meekness. Exodus chapter 11 and verse 3. Listen to this. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. You see that? So Exodus 11.3 shows us the results of Numbers 12.3. Exodus 11.3 shows us the results of Numbers 12.3. He was the meekest man in all of the world. And the Bible says, and he was very great in the land of Egypt. Well, Egypt was the greatest power on the face of the earth in that day. So if he was very great in the land of Egypt, you could just say he was very great in the world because nobody was greater than the Pharaoh and them. It's Numbers 12.3 and Exodus 11.3. Kristen, send me a message and I'm going to help you find something just like that. Exodus 11.3 says he was the greatest man, very great in the land of Egypt and in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of the people. If Pharaoh thinks you're great and Pharaoh's servants think you're great, (laughs) you're great. What made him great? God lifted him up. God made him great. How? Through his meekness. In the same way God does in the New Testament, he resists the proud but gives more grace and favor to the humble. And because of Moses' humility, Because of Moses' meekness, God grabbed a hold of him and lifted him head and shoulders above the rest, caused him to become very great. Hallelujah. Caused him to become very great. You ever think about the power of this? I mean, even before he really grew up, Pharaoh had already called out for all of the children to be murdered, the Israelite children. Hallelujah. And Moses' mother floats him down the river in a basket. And Pharaoh's daughter finds him, picks him out of the water, and brings him into the palace to be raised as her own son. Think about this. To be raised with all of the benefits of the palace, with all of the luxury of the palace with all the food of the palace to be trained like all of the other young men in the palace. The very, think about this, the very opposite thing that Pharaoh wanted because he was killing all the children so that Moses would be killed. Moses was the one they wanted dead and they brought him into the palace and the very place, think about this, the very place that wanted him dead is the place that provided him with the resources and raised him up in luxury and wealth 
and in favor. And that was God's doing, not Pharaoh's doing. It was God. God's the one who groomed him. I mean, think about this. Moses would be the one who would lead God's people out of slavery. And what Pharaoh didn't realize, think about how powerful this is. What Pharaoh didn't realize is he was grooming. His palace was grooming the young man and strengthening the young man and providing for the young man that would then topple their government and take the slaves out of Egypt. Powerful. They were providing. (laughs) I mean, God had him eating their food getting wise with their teachers, having all their luxury, raising them up in favor, giving him a behind-the-scenes look. I mean, God did that, positioned him in the house of his enemies and let him take their resources, preparing him to destroy their government, to topple their leadership, and to take their provision. So that by the time they were done, Moses was the one that told the slaves, go to all of the homes of the Egyptians and inquire of them and ask them to give you their gold and silver. That's crazy. That's crazy. But it was an instruction of Moses and who had favor in the eyes of the people, in the eyes of the Pharaoh's servants, in the eyes of the Egyptians. And because that was God's desire, they didn't just leave Egypt with Moses, who was raised up in the palace on the enemy's uh, resources, they left with all of the nation's resources in their hands. And the humility of Moses made it all possible because the favor of God, the grace of God, all the things God had planned for his people were piled upon Moses because of his humility, his meekness. It's powerful, man. It's powerful. Meekness is the key to greatness. I want you to put it in the comments. Quickly put it in the comments. Thank you, Diane. Meekness is the key to greatness. Meekness is the key to greatness. So important that you write that in the comments today because this is a key. This is habit number three that will attract the favor of God to your life. Meekness is the key to greatness. No question about that. Pride is the key to destruction. Haughtiness, the prerequisite for a fall. But meekness is the key to greatness. Have <laughs> you ever think of that? Meekness is the key to greatness. If you want to be, see, people think it's you're weak if you act like that. Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is the key to greatness. That's why the devil wants us to be prideful people. That's why he wants us to be prideful people. He wants us to be destroyed. He wants us to be just like him. But no, no, we're not going to be prideful like the devil was, like like Lucifer was. Be cast out of heaven. I will be like the most, I will sit on the, no, no, you won't. And God sent him. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. God struck him down from heaven and knocked him out of heaven because of his pride his rebellion, which stemmed from his pride. Notice that pride always brings rebellion. Meekness always brings obedience. And that obedience brings greatness. How do you recognize pride, Nolene? A great question. 
It's a great question. How do we recognize pride? Well, I've given you some keys today to recognize it. One thing pride will do is be rebellious. Pride carries with it a spirit of rebellion, does what it wants to do rather than what it's instructed. And especially, especially rebellion to the word of God. That's the truest form of pride is saying, I know better than God. My ways are higher than God's ways. That's a sure sign of pride in your life. Sure sign. Make sure. Thank you, Tammy. Make sure that you are always putting God first. Make sure you're always putting God first. How do you put God first? By putting his word first. By you saying, and I heard uh, I heard a preacher say this one time when he and his wife were very young. It's a great example. He said, we just made up in our minds that if we read something in the Bible that was a command, we would not negotiate, we would not consider it. If we found it as a command in the Bible, we would just do it. We'd just do it. They never had to... Uh, uh, they never had to debate or or wonder, well, will we tithe? If the Bible said it, they were going to do it. Will we give above and beyond our tithe? If the Bible said it, they were going to do it. Are we going to be faithful to church? If the Bible said it, we're going to do it. Should we love others regardless of what they do to us? If the Bible said it, we're going to do it. See, whatever we find in the scripture, if God said it, I'm going to do it. That's the truest picture of humility, knowing that his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts, higher than my thoughts. Why would I ever depend on my ways when God's ways are higher? Why? Why would I? Why would I ever trust in me? That's what I'm talking about, Ruth. Why would I ever trust in me versus trusting in the word? The Bible actually says in the book of Jeremiah, cursed is the man who puts his arm or his trust in the arm of flesh and in doing so turns his back upon God turns his back i believe i can flip to that scripture relatively quickly let me read it to you jeremiah 17:5 thus says the lord cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. When you trust in yourself, when you trust in flesh over God, the Bible says it brings a curse upon you and you turn your heart away from the Lord. It's not a part-time job. It's a full-time lifestyle to trust in God. Full-time lifestyle. And I put my trust in him and his word over every other thing. That's why even in a time now, like during this uh, crisis that's going on through the world, people get mad at people who put their trust in God over men. People are mad. I don't know if you noticed that. People are mad. Well, I don't understand why you think you could just cut. I, because I've put my trust in God alone, not in the wisdom of men. If God's word says something, it carries far more weight than any specialist that's on the earth. Far more weight. And if you don't think like that, then you don't truly believe God's word. If you think you need to water down your belief in God's word with some sort of human wisdom, 
You don't, you don't believe God's word like you say you do. You don't. You don't. If you think that what God's word said is nice, it's a nice thing to believe and it's a nice thing to read, but you know, you need to just, if you think like that, then you don't believe God's word. That's why I asked the question weeks ago, weeks ago, do these hands catch and spread diseases or do they heal the sick and cast out devils? Can't be both. It can't be both. Do these hands catch and spread diseases? Or, because here's the thing, if I believe that my hands catch and spread diseases, no matter if we've got the coronavirus going on or not, I should always wear rubber gloves, always. Because that's not the only German that's out there. That's not the only virus that's out there. It's not the only bacteria that's out there. I go into cities all the time. You know, if I truly believe that what, that my job on the earth is to catch and spread diseases, I should wear a hazmat suit all the time. I ride the subway when I'm in the cities. I touch the handles on escalators. I'm not saying I don't wash my hands, but I'm not going to carry around a hand sanitizer that's clipped to my belt and you know every every 5 minutes. I'm not doing that. These hands either heal the sick and cast out devils or they catch and spread diseases. Can't be both. Man says that I catch and spread disease. God says I heal the sick. Who's right? Who's right? It's all based on faith in that word. What am I going to... See, because people aren't even consistent. They're not even consistent. It's not even smart. They're not even logical. If you really believe like this, you should always wear rubber gloves when you go out into public. What do you think? That only during the coronavirus is there uh, um, viruses, bacteria, or things on the target you know, basket handles, cart handles. <laughs> you think just when you think when Corona's off, you know, and everybody's out of their house and you think all the escalator handles are going to be now just magically clean. <laughs> Honestly, if you believe like that, you should always wear rubber gloves. Always. You should always wear a mask. Think about that. You should always wear a mask if that's how you believe. I don't believe that way. The only way, re- reason I have to put one on right now is because I can't go into Walmart to buy something unless I have one on because they won't let you in the door. And I got to buy something, so I got to wear a mask when I go in and then I come out and take it off. I don't wear it because I'm afraid. I go in so I can buy deodorant so that my wife will stand next to me. <laughs> it's not out of fear. I can guarantee you that. So, so understand it. Either God's word is true or man's word is true, but it can't be both. Cannot be both. And God, you're getting ready to see. I want to say this to you. Those of you that are hearing what I'm preaching today, you're getting ready to see a massive increase. Not because it's a season of increase, not because it's a season of favor, not because it's a season of breakthrough. Not, none of those reasons. Only because you're putting these things into practice. They've always been available. They always will be available in this church age. Always will be. God's word doesn't fail. And so it's not because you're getting ready to step into a season of favor, a season of increase, a season of blessing. No, trust me. You heard me say, even when we started quoting and confessing that 2020 was going to be a year of violent increase and expedited favor, you heard me plainly teach not, it's not because 
We're stepping into 2020. It has nothing to do with 2020, the year. Has everything to do with the fact that we're encouraging people to set their faith and believe for it. Let me just give you a, a, a word. 2021 can also be your year of violent increase and expedited favor. 2022, the same. 2023, as long as Jesus tarries, you should literally make plans to continue to increase every year, according to Proverbs 4.18. Every year. Has nothing to do with the year. Has everything to do with your faith and your obedience. We do set our faith on something. We do make confession. What I'm doing is not delivering to you a prophetic word that's only available in 2020. It wasn't available in 2019, won't be available in 2021. That's not what I'm doing. I'm saying now that we're stepping into a new year, I'm rallying the troops and saying, here's something to set your faith on, confess, believe, and watch it take place for you. And it'll work next year and the year after, and you can have never-ending increase in your life. And that's what I'm praying for you, that you will walk in a never-ending increase by the power of the Holy Ghost. So I want you to bow your head. Everybody that's watching, those of you that are with me, I'm going to pray right now that God would put into you supernaturally what John G. Lake said would be the number one thing he would deliver to every believer if he could, spiritual hunger. I'm going to pray that from this day forward, a supernatural hunger comes upon every person watching or listening to read and to know God's word, to have a hunger and a fire to obey God's word quickly, perfect obedience, and then to stay in a place of supernatural humility, dying to self. He must increase. I must decrease. I've got to crucify this flesh. So I want you to bow your head. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for the people that are watching and listening today. I ask you in Jesus' name, number one, give us a supernatural hunger, a spiritual hunger, to a desire to ingest your mighty word, to read it, to study it, to get it in us, in Jesus' mighty name. I pray, Lord, that we would be voracious readers of your word that we would be so hungry for the words of God that it would drown other things in our lives out in Jesus' name. As we read the word, as we gain fresh revelation, give us that uh, supernatural ability to be perfectly obedient, quickly obedient in Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, keep us in perfect humility. Don't let pride take a hold of us. Let us have the strength and the power by the Holy Ghost to put the flesh under on a daily basis in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that it's done. We declare increase. You're going to emphasize yourself to us. We thank you for that word from your word. Emphasizo. You're going to emphasize your power, emphasize your glory, emphasize your provision, emphasize your healing in our lives. I take authority over sickness and disease. Those that are watching, the enemies attacked your body. I lose divine healing virtue into your body right now in Jesus' name. Be healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Sickness, disease, loose your grip on God's people and let them go. I take authority over depression and anxiety. Receive peace. Receive joy right now into your spirit by the power of God. We thank you, Lord, for it. I ask you now in Jesus' name, Lord, for every person that's struggling with addiction, break the yoke of bondage today in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Listen, before we go, I want to show you this video in a minute. 
I want to encourage those of you that are watching to sow your seed of faith today. The Lord's been speaking to you about increase. As I've been teaching today, many of you, you have something in your spirit that you know the Lord's asking you to do. Take this moment right now by obedience to the Lord's voice. This is what I was talking about moments ago, that as you hear the voice of the spirit, you have to take action on that voice. Those that are led by the spirit of God, they're the sons of God. You take action on that voice, that instruction. What's the other side of it? Increase, favor. That's what happens. The more we obey, the more we go higher. And, and God said that about his own word in Isaiah. I quote it to you often so that it never leaves your spirit so that you know what God's plan is for your life. What is his plan? He said that his word, when he commands you, when he gives you a word, it brings you into increase. He said, I'm the Lord your God that teaches you to profit and leads you in the way that you should go. Isaiah 48, 17, a swift word that brings you a swift increase. And so there on your screen, you can see the uh, instructions. Um, hashtag donate in the comments if you're on Facebook or Periscope. Cash app is available. Venmo's available. PayPal's available. And the easiest way and the quickest, miracleword.com. You can sow your seed directly on the website or as uh, Carolyn and I are praying and believing God, those will stand with us in partnership We've got people all over the world that are partnering with us on a monthly basis. Pray and ask the Lord if you're to be one of those. And for every person that's sowing, of course, this month of April, we're sending you one of my favorite books, The End by Dr. Mark Hitchcock, which is the greatest book on end times Bible prophecy that I've ever read and one of the greatest books that I've ever read, period. And uh, this book is about 500 plus pages answering all your questions about end times Bible prophecy from a man who knows what he's talking about, Dr. Mark Hitchcock. And uh, this is our gift to you for everybody this month that's sowing $100 or more. And uh, this will be a massive, massive blessing to you. So it's, uh, and as, as of course you can see, we've got so many people partnering with us. This is just some of them. They're there on their screen on the bottom that are standing with us in partnership. Thank you, Roxy. Uh, this is just some of them that are standing with us, but we appreciate them so very much and love them. And all of you that are sowing seeds, we pray for you um, weekly by name. That's why we keep your names with us. We're in South Florida. Uh, you know, we're in a Parkland area, Fort Lauderdale area of Florida, just north of Miami. Um, Kristen, the, uh, the April, thank you, Malia. The April books are in. And um, the March, here's the thing about the March books, Kristen, is that those books were completely out of print. There's no one we could buy them from. So we recreated them ourselves to offer to you guys. So they're getting ready to go to the printer right now. But that A.A. Allen book that we offered in March, was there's, they've com completely stopped circulation of the book. It, was, it went into public domain. There's no copyright on it. So what we decided to do was to provide the book to you guys ourselves. So we are the ones printing it and publishing it ourselves. So it's getting ready to be printed. When it comes back, we're going to be mailing those out. A completely new edition of that book by Brother A.A. A. Allen. Phenomenal book. Changed his ministry in life and mine and many others. Um, it's, so it's going, to be, it's going to be really awesome. We'll get it to you as soon as the printer's done with it. And uh, I'm so glad that we're able... To, to reproduce and reprint that book. I'm very, very excited about it. And we're going to carry it on the road with us too. Very, very excited about that. And guess what, by the way? 
Uh, speaking of books, my new book is available. Finally, Further Faster is live on Amazon in your region. You can buy it today. And then, of course, if you've bought it or you can purchase it from our website as well, shop.miracleword.com, and we will ship it out to you as soon as possible. The ebook is getting ready to go up for Apple Books and Kindle, so you'll be able to have an ebook version as well. And then we're shortly getting ready to start working on the Audible audio version of Further Faster. And uh, this is going to be available in every possible way that we can get it out there. And this book will change your life. It's about how to accelerate your purpose through the force of impartation. Many people do not know what impartation is or how it works. This is a book on the subject of impartation. This book, I'm so excited that it's ready and uh, I'm looking forward to it. The book that we're producing for A.A. Allen is going to be called, is the one called um, The Price of God's Miracle Working Power. The message that Jesus gave him in the closet while he was praying and fasting about how to have a miracle ministry. And uh, he wrote the list and wrote the book and uh, we have the manuscript and we're now sending it to the printer uh, to produce. Yep, Kindle, we'll have it available in every possible way, Karen. Every possible way. Kindle's coming up very soon. We're just getting all the files back for the ebook. So we'll be uploading that to Apple Books and Kindle within the next few days. So um, looking forward to that. I love you guys, man. Thank you for sewing today. I really appreciate those of you that are standing with us. Listen, by the way, if you'd like to be a part of the text message family and text me personally, put your contact details into my phone and stay... Uh, you can get texts from me. You can text me back. I can answer you. Uh, you can send me all of your prayer requests. We're, we're using it in that way. Um, go to miracleword.com forward slash text and uh, sign up and be a part of the, the text family. It's going to be awesome. If you have not ever received updates from us, it's awesome to stay in touch that way. It's the fastest way for you to contact me. I can contact you and uh, it's it's great. And we already have about a thousand people that are joining us and uh, I love hearing from you guys. Love hearing from you guys. All right, as I promised, tomorrow, by the way, don't miss it, we're gonna be discussing from scripture on was Jesus poor? Was he a poor man? What does the Bible say about it? And what does that mean for us as believers if we're believing for financial blessing? How can we do that if our Lord himself was a poor man. What does the Bible teach? Very important. I love you, and I'll see you again very soon. <laughs> Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.